This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. We're here at 100 Words or Less, the podcast, but more specifically, we are doing a series on the music industry called Be Specific, in which I talk to people that uh, you know have an area of expertise, whether it's like management or being in a band or whatever. Uh, and this week's chat is on uh, you know media and press and sponsorships, because uh, that is a world that many people don't traffic in. And I have my friend, Finn McKenty, who is uh, actually appeared on the 100 Words show twice uh one i think back in like episode eight or something it's forever ago and then one a little more recently kind of you know updating everybody what he's uh, doing professionally uh and we just had a really great chat on that one but uh finn worked at a company called uh, creative live in which they do a lot of uh, rad audio stuff um and you know sort of like online teaching and uh yeah he had a great partnership with alternative press that uh you know him and i wanted to kind of discuss and talk about and be able to you know really be specific about it so that's uh that's what we're going to do today and i'm excited about that so what wait what what are you saying you need band merch oh well of course you do because every person that's into independent music has to have i would say bare minimum like at least 15 band shirts, bare minimum. Like if you don't, then I don't know, you must not be going to as many shows as you should be. But rockabilia.com is your place to buy merch. You need to buy it with this code PC Jabberjaw. That way you're getting 15% off and you are getting all of the other additional benefits that Rockabilia has, like half a million items. If you want something spooky for this time of the year, because obviously Halloween is next week, they have costumes and masks all kind of, you know, centered around certain bands like, you know, Five Finger Death Punch, Ghost, Iron Maiden, Misfits, Queen, Rob Zombie, Slipknot. And they also have a ton of other great stuff from, you know, bands that, oh, yeah, I would definitely say fall within the Halloween uh, ecosystem like Misfits, King Diamond, Motionless and White, all that sort of stuff. So you get the idea. They are the place where you can buy all of your band merch. I've experienced it before. They're a great company. You need to do that. And if you haven't, then seriously, what are you doing? So PC Jabberjaw, 15% off. Thank you, Rockabilia, for your continued support of this show and of independent music in general. Okay, that's that's awesome. And uh, well, I, you know, I, I, I lied to you at the beginning. I said I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing okay. I've been having a really, really tough time in my day job at work. And mostly to do with sort of, uh, I wouldn't even call it internal politics, uh, just kind of, you know, corporate structures. Like, you know, I, I work at a company that uh, is owned by another company. And it, you know, there are times, there are struggles when uh, you are trying to, you know, I, I, really, I'm just trying to be helpful where I see uh, certain areas of the company that I'm like, oh, I could, I could be helpful at that. And there are times where, you know, people, people generally speaking in the quote unquote real world, people get a job and they do that job and they're stoked on it and that's fine. I think people that come from sort of our, our world and our train of thought, they like to do a million different things, you know, like they, uh, you know, they, they kind of dabble with this and they're like, okay, I know that. And then they dabble with something else and they're like, I know that. And so you start to amass this uh, wealth of knowledge that you're able to kind of sprinkle across. Like I by no means am saying that I am some, you know, expert at all of the fields. I definitely identify with the, the, uh, saying, you know, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. I definitely fit into that category. But anyways, it's just been, uh, it's been a real struggle, uh, as of late to the point where it's like there, I've, I've had some really, really, really low moments where I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what, what is that? What is this that I'm even doing? Like, does this feel right? Does this feel good? All the stress that I'm feeling, I really haven't felt this when it comes to like my day job because I've had the luxury of having jobs that I have always wanted, you know, and I've always kind of uh, dreamed in working. So yeah, I hope that you're not going through a struggle like that. And if you are, uh, you know, I actually saw a sign. There's this, uh, there's this, <laughs> this random tool company on, uh, a commute that I have with, uh, with my son. I take him to do some uh, karate in a different city than I live in. And it's, uh, off this, uh, the 55 freeway here in Southern California. But anyways, there's this, it's a random tool company, but they always have these, like, uh, I wouldn't even call them inspirational sayings, but just funny sayings occasionally. Um, and I saw one yesterday that was just applicable. It says, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're like walking or going through hell, just keep on going. And it's like, 
oh yeah, that's true. Like none of us can really have the luxury of like throwing our hands up and quitting life and just like, you know, escaping to the woods. Some people do and that's cool. Um, but you know, many of us have other responsibilities that we have to attend to. But anyways, the point of me mentioning all of this is that no matter what, no matter what you are looking at, when, when, if a person is like, you know, being successful at like, you know, their band or being successful at like their work or whatever the case may be, they're going through something. No matter what, people are struggling. And there is always that thing of like, oh, once I hit this thing, then I'll be okay. Or once I do this thing, then I'll be okay. And no matter what, it is a constantly changing environment. And you can only hook yourself to, you know, religion, family, all of these things that are important in what you need to kind of hold at the core of your being, your philosophical beliefs, all those things tying together. And they are what give you intrinsic value and they give you uh, meaning to kind of march on. Because at the end of the day, your job doesn't define you. Your art defines a portion of you, but that is just a portion of your life. So anyways, that's a, that, that's me off my soapbox. That's my, that's my pep talk to you. If you're going through it, I feel you, I understand you, and I am going through it with you as well. And we'll hopefully come out the other side, either wiser, uh, you know, smarter in some capacity, uh, more, more weathered for being able to tackle challenges as they come along. So Anyways, I appreciate you listening to me for this. And uh, if you want to correspond with me about it, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of that, next week's episode is a mailback episode, and I have some great questions. If you want to toss a last-minute one in there, feel free to email me. I'm looking forward to uh, digging into some of those questions, and that's what's happening next week. But anyways, here is my discussion with Finn. Like I said, if you've ever been curious about like press and sponsorships and, you know, like event sponsorships, all that sort of stuff, we get really, really in depth and we're talking about um, the APMA awards more specifically, which if you're not familiar, you can Google it, but basically alternative press put on an award show a couple of years um, that, you know, just, it was kind of like the uh, sort of Grammys of the, uh, you know, Warp Tour world as it were. And it was a really cool event. I never got a chance to go out, but uh, the way that they put it together, it was, uh, you know, they pulled out all the stops and it looked really, really cool. And I know a lot of people had uh, great times out there and uh, yeah, it kind of cemented um, the the scene in many respects as far as like, oh yeah, this is a legitimate thing. There are people that really, really care about this and people should continually care about this. But anyways, Finn, lays out a lot of stuff. We talk, we get really in depth with it. So that is that. Here's Finn. I'll talk to you after the episode is over. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Raymond Harkins. I sing for the band Taken, and I host the podcast 100 Words or Less. Wait, wait. That, that is, that is <laughs> oh, wait. inaccurate. Sorry, I got confused. Uh, my name is Finn McKenty. I'm the director of marketing for URM Academy. We're the world's best online education platform for rock and metal producers. We basically teach people how to mix music. We've worked with a bunch of bands and artists and uh, producers that you may have heard of. For example, our friend Bo from Seosin was on last year, I think. We've had uh, Dan Lancaster with Bring Me the Horizon, Andrew Wade with The Day to Remember, Nolly with Periphery, you know, pretty much anybody in the kind of, you know, rock metal whatever kind of world we've probably worked with them in one way or another or we're working on working with them now um before that i worked for a company called creative live which is another online education company so i've been doing the online education thing since 2013 creative live uh focuses more on photographers and graphic designers although when i was there the first thing i did was start uh, the music and audio channel there so they were uh, at, uh, at the time I joined, they were just doing photography and design and a little bit of business. And then um, when I joined, they asked me to start um, that side of the business where we would teach people how to make music. So that's where I kind of pioneered this whole teaching people how to make music online thing um, that I am doing now. So those are my credentials. Before that, I worked at uh, Abercrombie and Fitch doing marketing and design and did some other stuff in Canada, you know, design and creative world for uh, almost 20 years now, which makes me feel really old. Um, cause I'm turning 40 in about three weeks and it's really not happy about that I'm coming to terms with it. <laughs> yeah. That it definitely, when you view your job as, you know, older or longer than most people, you know, have been alive. You're just like, Oh wow, that's, that's weird. 
Yeah. You know, it's one of those things you never think that getting old will happen to you. But then one day you look in the mirror and you're like, fuck, I am getting old. (laughs) (laughs) Happens to the best of us. Father time is undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. He will. He he will always come to knock on the door. That's for sure. He gets the best of us. The uh, but the what I wanted to talk to you about splintering off of your idea was the, uh, you know, partnerships that a lot of people, you know, see out in the world and are, are created from a, you know, marketing, like I said, partnership perspective, but most people have no clue how that stuff kind of works. It's like, they just assume that like, oh yeah, at some point, like money is exchanged hands and some point, like something happened in order for them to work together. But how that actually happens, you know, on a small scale, on a large scale, like no one really knows, you know, it's like, you know, you, people see uh, like a, a Pepsi sponsored music festival and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Pepsi paid like, you know, $9.7 million to make that happen. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but your, your, uh, idea of, you know, focusing on your work with creative live and, you know, alternative press magazine and most specifically their award show, uh, I think it'd be, you know, an illustrative test case, but then also could, you know, splinter off into, uh, some interesting side notes, conversations, but, uh, yeah. So kind of walk me through how, that, uh, I guess got kicked off and then, you know, the, the sort of details behind the project. Well, yeah, let me, I'll just kind of set the stage for it. So like I said, we started doing the company creative live before I came on board, as I said, was focused on photography and graphic design and a little bit of business stuff. So they had no presence or currency whatsoever in music other than, you know, I'd say there's a decent amount of music people who are also into photography, but other than that crossover, no presence whatsoever in music. So I had the challenge of somehow making people in the music world aware that we exist and taking us seriously because as any of us who have, you know, done, I guess what you would call business development, a quote unquote, uh, you know, in the music world, um, it, it can be difficult if, if you aren't a known quantity, it's difficult to get people to trust you because people in our world, I mean, I guess it's in, in every industry, but I'd say people in our world in particular are not necessarily trusting of outsiders who call them out of the blue and want to work with them. So, that my role was to recruit all the people who would teach the classes and then partners, you know, the partner companies, like if we wanted to work with a guitar company or something like that, I would be the person that would reach out to them. So that was the the stage that that was kind of the situation that I was in is like, okay, I've got to, I've got to sign all these deals. And in order to make that happen, I have to let people know who we are, what we do and get them to take us seriously. And at the time, uh, AP alternative press magazine was kind of on top of the world. I mean, they're, they're still doing great, but I would say at that time they were especially like on it. Um, and so I thought that would be a good way for us to, um, kind of make ourselves known because, right or wrong if you if you do print advertising if you work with a publication of that size people are going to assume you're a big deal and it's kind of one of those things where if you act like you're a big deal people will treat you like a big deal and then you become a big deal you know what i mean huge shout out today to a amazing sponsor robin hood and no it's not the robin hood of the movie fame but robin hood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks etfs options and cryptos all commission free so even if you're a stock market newcomer like me you can invest for the first time with true confidence now when you are you know if you're like i want to invest in the stock market if you go to other brokerages they charge up to ten dollars for every trade Robinhood does not charge commission fees which means you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits and with a clear design, super easy to understand charts and market data, Robinhood lets you place your trade on a smartphone in just four taps. Plus, you can get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is unbelievable. I dove in, started investing. You know, I mean, I, I was only investing like whatever, maybe like a hundred bucks or so, just kind of seeing how how the the vibe is. And the app is super intuitive. You can pick stocks, you can trade stocks. Like it, it is very, very easy and fun to use, which makes stock market investing a much more 
uh, reasonable thing for normal people to kind of dive into rather than being like, oh, I need to find a stockbroker and I need to have a meeting with him and I need to talk about my portfolio. It's like, no, I can kind of I can take this and, uh, you know, be able to figure it out on my own as uh, as educated as anybody can be about it. You know, so it's I, I love Robinhood. It's an amazing thing. So Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at Words dot robinhood.com that's words dot robinhood.com and you'll get a free stock come on try it out robinhood's great now on with the show yeah and, and i i think an interesting thing of what you said there was the you know the credibility of being attached to something where it's like you know alternative press has to um you know be interested in the partnership not only from a financial perspective but then also the fact that like they feel like the cosign is worth it you know so there is that sort of implicit you know, understanding of like, oh yeah, Creative Live is cool because they have this service and it kind of, it's tangentially related to the music, but you know, we're not just interested in, you know, selling our soul to whatever, you know, some large, you know, Halliburton or whatever. Faceless. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Um, So yeah, so I I figured Alternative Press would be a good way for us to do that. Uh, I did not know anybody at AP, I don't think. Um, Well, I knew Ryan Downey who worked with them. Um, maybe he introduced, I don't know. I don't actually remember. I don't actually remember how I got in touch with AP, to be honest. I might've just like emailed their like info you know, at altpress.com or whatever. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I do that all the time, by the way. So anybody out there who's like wondering how to connect with somebody you want to work with, I do the cold email thing or DM thing all the time. And it doesn't, you know, work a hundred percent of the time, but it, it works more often than a lot of people might guess, you know, like, I don't know if, if you get a reply three or four times out of 10, I I think that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, that means, you know, yeah, 30 or 40% of the time you're going to get a reply. So anyway, however it was, I think, so one tip there is if you, um, I, I didn't do the info ad. I know this because, uh, if you reach out to the salespeople at any kind of publication or company or something like that, it is much more likely that you're going to re- get a reply because then they will correctly think that there is money on the table. So I'm pretty sure that if I cold out, I, if I did cold outreach to them, uh, I'm almost certain it was to like the advertising address. So the person I talked to there was a guy named Derek Staples who doesn't work there anymore, but uh, anybody who's worked with him, I think would agree that he is awesome. Uh, and then there's another guy there who's also not there anymore named Josh Bernstein, who's also awesome. I believe Josh now works for Loudwire. He did last time I talked to him. Great guy. Both of them are awesome. Uh, and just as a spoiler warning, my experience with uh, Alternative Press was awesome. They're like the template for what I would want a good media partner or partner of any kind to be. So uh, all of this is an example of, to me, like pretty much best case scenario for how this sort of thing might work out. But anyway, so I emailed them and said something like basically what I just told you, like, hey, this is our company. This is what we're doing. Here's the kind of, you know, business challenge that we have. Um, You know, uh, AP seems like a great partner. Let's talk. Um, So, uh, yeah, so somewhere along the way, I got on the phone with them and explained to them what I wanted to do and said, could you send me a proposal? And then I will be able to get in front of my bosses and hopefully get their sign off. So there's a few different pieces of this that you need to think about. Again, I'm assuming, you know, let, let's assume that it's the same situation, which is you're uh, like me, which is you're one person inside a larger company and you don't make all the decisions about where the money is spent. So you have a couple challenges. One is you've got to reach out to the partner and get them to understand what you're doing. Two is you need to get on the same page with a proposal, you know, in terms of what you would actually do with them that you think is effective. And then the third is you've got to get your bosses to write the check for it. <laughs> and each of those is hard enough on its own to do all three of those. Uh, I would say, you know, that's, that's a non-trivial task as I would call it. Um, and the third part is the one that I think a lot of people are not very good at. So what I did is took that proposal, which I believe, um, 
it's been a few years, so don't quote me on this in the exact details. But so sure. basically, here's here here's where we ended up with the proposal. Is I know that what what um, Alternative Press wants is they've got to sell ad inventory in their print magazine, and you know that's expensive and hard to do. And it makes their lives a lot easier if they can fill up the pages in their magazine. And they've also got to do the same with the sponsorship slots for their event. Uh, and, and both of those things are valuable to me. But what I really wanted was coverage online or in print of our court of our classes that we were doing. So I said to myself, well, if I buy some ads for them, I'll make their life easier. And then I bet that because these people seem cool, that they'll make my life easier by, you know, getting me that coverage that I want. And I never once I, I, I never asked for coverage in the magazine you know, it's not a pay for play type thing. I didn't ask for that. And I would not ask for that because I don't trust anybody that would, you know, well, I shouldn't say that, but I don't want to do things that way. I, I want to do things that they genuinely believe are worth covering for their audience. Yeah. Um, and you yeah, do, so and, and to interrupt your train of thought, but like, yeah. I, I do think that that is, uh, that can be, you know, if you're looking at 10 different objectives of yourself, of what you're trying to accomplish, that can be on that list, you know, but that cannot be the number one thing, you know, that yeah. like I need to get coverage. So I'll do the, all these other things, but ultimately I need this thing. It's like, well, if that happens and there's an opportunity for you, you know, as you become friendly with the person to be like, Hey, you know, w- would it be cool if like you did a feature on this thing because it makes sense here. And you know, you, right. you essentially right. kind of make, like you said, make it easy on them, but it can't be like, Hey, if I buy an ad, will you do a review of my record? Which obviously happens. And like, we it see, happens. Right. And, and I'm not necessarily saying that's unethical, but it's not the way I want to do things personally. You know, I want to earn it. I don't want to, to me, the money just sort of is, is, you know what I want. So here's how I look at it with any of these things is I want them to support my business and my project. So I should show them that I'm going to support their business and their project. Right? Like, I think it's, it's crazy to me that people expect all these magazines or websites or whatever to, um, to, to promote their project and the idea of then advertising in that magazine or website, you know, n- would never cross their mind. That is such a one-sided way of looking at things. And that is just crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like it just makes no sense. But anyway, so the proposal we landed on was something like this. It was, I believe 30 or $35,000 over the course of a year. And for that, we got a full page ad in the magazine every month and some number of, um, banner ad impressions. I don't remember what it was, 50 or a hundred thousand or something like that. Inclusion in their like email blast that they, they every month they would send a, an email blast to, you know, the people on the list that would basically promote all their sponsors stuff. And then also whatever, like I think it was like the third tier sponsorship for the APMAs, which is their annual award show. So for any of these like event sponsorships, there's multiple and I'm, and you know, Ray, obviously you know this, but I'm just explaining this to anybody listening. Um, for any of these events, there's, there's typically different tiers of sponsorship. There's like a title sponsor, which is the most expensive one and their name and logo is included everywhere. And then there's like a gold level and silver and bronze or whatever they call them. And Basically, the less expensive it gets, the less times your name appears in conjunction with things. And sometimes there's other opportunities like sponsored content and stuff like that. So I believe that we got the third tier one, which is fine with me because for our company, um, I don't, you know, I think it would probably be a hundred thousand dollars or something for the top level one, which, you know, that the, that's just too much for our company at that time. And I don't really believe that those top level sponsorships, most of the time, I don't actually think those are worth the money personally, but anyway, so that's what we got, which is an amazing deal. I mean, just the print ad alone every month, you know, for two grand or whatever that two and a half thousand dollars or whatever that works out to me is an amazing deal because, you know, I don't, I don't know what AP, I don't know what the book rate is for AP, but you know, to pay 10 or $20,000 for a full page ad in a magazine, alternative press of circulation at that time was like, oh, fuck, I want to say like 700,000 or something. It was the second biggest music magazine in the country, second to Rolling Stone, which you could argue is really not even a music magazine anymore. Uh, so to get a print ad in a magazine of that size every month for 
thirty or thirty five thousand dollars a year is an amazing deal. All that other stuff on top of that was a great bonus too. Um, I actually going into it didn't think I didn't see. I I, I wasn't really that that um, excited about the APMA sponsorship part of it. Um, not that I didn't care about it, but that wasn't like the emphasis to me. It was really about advertising in the magazine that was, uh, I was most excited about, although the APMA stuff ended up being more valuable, um, than I thought it would. So I don't know, does that, that's a, a long answer. No, no, um, that, that, that's perfect. Cause I do think like, I want to say that there's a few little, uh, tidbits in there that I was wanted to drill into. I think it was, uh, the, the rate that I think I was paying when I was working at PETA, um, you know, cause I, I had a similar, we didn't have a presence at the, uh, award show, but you know, I basically approached them in a similar fashion to you where it was like, I didn't want to just buy, you know, all a cart, you <laughs> You know, ad like right. you're talking about where it's like you're, you know, you're paying, you know, through the roof for whatever that was. I want to say our rate, uh, and granted we, you know, fell under the nonprofit, um, schedule as far as that's concerned. So they know that they're, you know, we're, they're not looking to us to make a lot of money. Um, right. and, and it, uh, an interesting thing about this too, um, was the fact that, uh, any, t- it wasn't every single time that, uh, alternative press or any other magazine included, uh, you know, a PETA or a PETA two ad in there. Those, those organizations actually can use that as a tax write off because it's, mm. because it's considered a donation. You know, like, I see. and so, uh, you know, it kind of, I mean, it works our benefit because, you know, they could just literally hold one of our ads until, you know, the 11th hour when they're right. sending something to print. And then they're like, Oh, actually, you know, we, we can use this cool Pete ad from this band that is on warp tour or whatever, you know? And it's and like the book rate of that is eight grand or whatever. So we get an $8,000 tax write off. Yeah, it was, it was a, and I'm sure there are like, you know, I'm not a tax lawyer <laughs> and I don't, play, I don't, I don't play one on television, but, uh, you know, I'm sure there's intricacies behind it in order for that to work. But uh, you know, that, that is the way that it was illustrated to be. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a really interesting thing. But anyways, the rate I think that we were paying was around, I want to say like between three to four grand, roughly speaking for a full page, um, which was, you know, again, substantially under the, you know, the rate that, you know, a rant like, and I'm sure you feel this way too. Like anytime you see in, um, I see it more so in decibel than anywhere else these days where you see a band like who's totally independently funded and are buying like, you know, a half page ad, it still happens in AP as well. But, um, I just feel like in some respects, do you feel bad for them? Like, like I'm like, Oh man, like you guys just spent, you know, X amount of dollars. And I, like I want, I hope that gets you some return in some capacity. Well, maybe it depends. Like it, it, if, if that is part of a larger strategy of building a relationship with decibel, then I think that's smart. But what I see a lot of those bands, it's some random band, some like psychobilly band or something like that. that totally. Just totally is not a fit for decibel. And decibels like, okay, we'll take your money. I mean, I'm not faulting them. No, for no, this, not so. at all. Yeah. No shots fired. Cause it's, but yeah, I, I, I think that that's the one you're drilling it on the one that I'm like, well, you know, it's like, especially decibels, an example where it's like, you know, it's some, you know, uh, dis, dismembered fetus in, uh, you know, like in the, in the ad. And it's like, of course, like no other magazine, it would be like, of course yeah. you pay $2,000 to have a full page ad in there because where else are you going to advertise? Like literally but if it's nowhere. like some cyber goth psychobilly band. You're just like, you guys are just burning your money. <laughs> yeah. You're going into this with no strategy. You're just like throwing money at things and, and hoping that somehow it works. And, uh, you know, no, I don't feel bad for him because I believe in survival of the fittest. <laughs> that's true. I get that's true. I, I guess there's, yeah, there's probably, but a I mix- cringe on their behalf. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's a mixture of emotions there. It's definitely like, Oh man. But then it's like, well, uh, if, if you guys felt like that was worth it, then so be it. Cause I mean, yep. at, at least they could take that magazine and show it to, you know, their significant others or parents and be like, Hey, you know, we made it. And it's like, well, uh, right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's not that's quite, but, you know, but, but uh, to that point though, I do think it's, um, I think it's a very, smart thing to do as part of a media strategy to buy some ads here and there. And if you, if anybody listening to this has heard me talk about this before, then, you know, um, you, you know, this is something I believe in is, uh, as I said before, if you want magazine X to write about you, buy some ads in that magazine or on their website, you know, and it doesn't have to be 
a full page ad for four grand. It could be just $200 for some banner ads, but at least show them that you'll play ball. At least show them that you want to be a business partner, not a freeloader. That's the point. You know, if all you're doing is sending them some spam email, that's like, please write about my band. Well, that is not a collaborative approach to this. If you say, Hey, I would love to advertise our band on your website because we think you are a good fit. You know, we're a small band, so we don't have a lot of money, but here's $200. Then guess what? You are already ahead of literally 99% of the other bands that are pitching them because you have put your money where your mouth is and you have communicated to them that you want to be a business partner. Oh yeah. You know what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to talk about YouTube music. Come on, we've all found ourselves down a complete rabbit hole on YouTube, and there's so much to discover there. Live shows, you can spend hours of investing time into this app, and it is spectacular. It is a brand new music streaming service, combining everything you expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to, of course, bring it all to life. You don't know the song's name? Search by the lyrics. The YouTube music app gives you recommendations based on taste, location, and time of day. You can easily find the music trending around you no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it's even better. You can get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while using other apps. Amazing, right? Enjoy your music wherever you want it, even when you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Then you can enjoy music for just $9.99 per month. Terms and restrictions, of course, apply. YouTube Music, it is all here. I have sampled this this service and it is awesome. I was really, really impressed with how robust their search feature is. And there'd be there'd be times where I was like, man, I only know like part of a lyric or like I think I know the record's name, and boom, there it is. Perfect. Okay. So download it now and you will love it. Yeah, definitely. It 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 shows people that you're you're serious and ultimately, like you said, you become a partner rather than just this, you know, one time transactional relationship, which um, you know, I, I think anybody that has a uh, sort of vision to whatever business they're doing, they want those partners because not only do they have they build this relationship and hopefully it works for both sides, but then you know the next year when they come around, they're like, oh yeah, I want to talk to Finn again because you know here's something where you know yeah maybe they could spend some more money, but like we already know that it worked well for us and you know hopefully it worked for them, and then you actually have someone to like <laughs> go back to as opposed to all right cool I got money for one year and then all right moving right along. Yep. Yeah. But so the, yeah, so, so, you know, you, you, you started to activate this relationship and you started to kind of, you know, put those, those pieces, uh, forward, um, you know, did, uh, I guess, did it, you know, accomplish, um, you know, I presume it didn't accomplish every goal that you were looking for. Um, but you know, did you feel that I guess the value that you guys paid for it was, you know, delivered in some capacity? Absolutely. And again, it's, more than just the specific, you got to look at these things, not as just how many did, how many clicks did I get from, you know, the banner on that we ran on ap.com. You've got to look at it from a larger sense. And so I got, I got a number of different um, sources of value from it. Number one is, like I said before, if you do print advertising for whatever reason, I guess because it's expensive, um, I think there's a lot of prestige associated with that. Like if you see, I mean, think about it, you know, if you look through these magazines and you see a print ad from company X in there every month for like six or eight months, you're going to assume like they're legit, right? Um, and you're not wrong because it does cost tens of thousands of dollars to do that. So it shows that they're at least big enough to do that. Uh, and then, I also got uh, a lot of introductions and stuff like that from Josh and Derek uh, at uh, at AP. So I don't remember exactly who they were, but it was a bunch of gear companies because you know all these gear companies uh, advertise with Alternative Press as well. So you know sometimes I would go, "Hey, do you know anybody at Orange or something like that?" And they would say, "Yes, I do." You know, let me connect you, and they always did right away. So um, that is hugely valuable because you know the value of a warm introduction in this business if it's coming from somebody that works for a super respected company like Alternative Press, that that the the fact that you were introduced to that person is going to make things go way smoother than if I just emailed them out of the blue. Um, but the the main the real benefit I got, and then you know going to the APMAs and just talking to everybody, you know, next to a poster with our company's name on it, also I think goes a long way. Not that I ever, you know, I I, I don't know. I feel yucky saying that sort of thing mm-hmm. because that's not how I 
you know, really think, but it's just true, you know? Yeah. Um, the, but the, the real, the biggest source of value there again, is just like the fact that I think people saw creative live as a legit company and that made things a lot easier, just greased a lot of wheels. And I got calls like, you know, for, I stopped. So I, I did the audio channel thing for like two and a half years there, maybe before I moved into a different role at creative live. Um, and I got calls for like a year or two afterwards from people who wanted to do something with me. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of it had to do with the brand we built, uh, in alternative press. So to me, I mean, there's no way to prove that. Like I can't send them a survey and it's like, Hey Chris, are you calling me because you saw three to five ads in alternative press right. in the year 2014? You know, you can't, can't you can't Quantify draw a straight that. line yeah exactly you know the, there's no way to directly attribute that stuff but i have to think that was a big part of it because it's really the only place that we did a lot of advertising we also did some banner ads um on metal sucks and metal injection who are also fantastic partners and i can't say enough good things about those guys either but uh, ap is where we spent the bulk of our money so I, I i think we got a whole lot of brand value out of that and i would consider that you know, some of the best marketing dollars I ever spent. Uh, in addition to doing PR with, uh, the guys at a company called Fresno media who are, unfortunately, uh, those guys have moved on. The company doesn't exist anymore. Those guys just crushed it for me. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the alternative press deal was super, super valuable, like total home run in my opinion. And I, I didn't, it was, I was totally unknown going into it. Like, you know, and I had to vouch to my bosses, like, yes, I want to spend $35,000 on this thing. Here's why I think it's going to be valuable. So I'm putting my ass on the line, you know, by vouching for this, uh, for this deal, just like they are. Um, and, uh, fortunately it, it was as valuable as I said it was going to be. Yeah, totally. I mean, there, there are some where to people like you and I in the, that situation, you would feel like it's, you know, a no brainer. I, I mean, when I say no brainer, it's not like anybody can sign on a, the bottom line and say, Oh yeah, $35,000. Like no big deal. Like, of course, of course it makes sense. It's like, yeah, you have to go through, um, not the motions in a bad way, but you have to lay out the, you know, value proposition and make sure that everybody feels comfortable with this. But, um, yeah, there are so many times where you're just like, this partnership makes sense, like instinctually, because you pay attention to, you know, music, pop culture and all that stuff. It's like, yes, like this has to make sense, you know, I, right. And yes, it's expensive, but yes, it'll be worth it. Um, but yeah, being able to, you know, cause sometimes you see, and I'm sure you've run into this, this, uh, you know, many different times where you approach a partner and, you know, whether it's like, I, I so distinctly remember the, you know, my time at PETA where I was always looking for opportunities to have our tour team, you know, either go on a tour or appear at a live event, whether it was going to be, you know, our kids, as far as the demographic is concerned. And like, you know, I was working at PETA when it's, you know, the, the age of the social media influencer started to become a thing. And so it was like such a gold rush where these events right. that were, you know, and still to this day are like held in random hotel ballrooms where it's like, oh, you're going to have like 10 influencers there and like whatever, you know, they'll just hang out and sign autographs or whatever. And like you saw the, how, you know, greedy these people got. And it was like, I, you know, I would approach this random thing and this was like, you know, not, not taking shots at something like, you know, VidCon or something. Cause that's like a massive thing. But like, I remember approaching them and, you know, I think I want to say it was like, you know, they, the, the price to just, just have people like, you know, a team of like six people on site was like, you know, Sixty, seventy thousand. I it was something. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't justify yeah. that. That's so much money. Yeah, you're like, uh, I don't know what planet you think I live on, but it's not this one. <laughs> totally. It's like you know, we're not Heineken. Like we're not the right. you know, these things. And uh, you know, I think sometimes people, um, you know, when they're they're either too busy to actually look at whoever is approaching them, like you, you know what you were talking about. You know, some random email comes across your desk or whatever. And it's like, you know, you have to be able to suss it out. Where it's like, okay. Like this is a company with, you know, big pockets. So of course I can ask them for, you know, larger than I would ask for a company like you sure. know, creative live or Peter or whatever. But, um, yeah, sometimes you just like have to laugh at these, these prices. Like what's the, can you recall like one of the most absurd things that you saw where you're like, Oh, geez, I, I'm not even going to take this to anybody except, you know, <laughs> my own head. And that's all. Oh gosh, I can't, I can't think of any specific ones off the top of my head, but there, I definitely saw some of those like, um, uh, 
I don't know. There was one of those big festivals, like not Coachella, but one of those other ones, those big like EDM ones. Oh, where oh there was, like li- li- well, no, Life is Beautiful is not the Electric Daisy Carnival. That's, yeah, one yeah. one of the. I don't remember which one it was. It was one of those things, and you know, it started at 250 G's or whatever it was, and right. you know, it's just like, uh, uh, I, yeah, like you said, like we're not Honda. I don't know what you think, but this is like two orders of magnitude higher than what I could possibly afford. So yeah. pass. No, totally. um, it, it's so, you know, but it, it's so depressing. It's so, it's so depressing too, because you, you know, people like you and I who are, you know, working in these structures, like we really try to look at it from the perspective, like, okay, like what value could I bring to this? Like, yes, I'm trying to obtain something from it, but like also, you know, it's a cool look for you to be partnered with these people or whatever. But then, yeah, when they come back and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not even going to look at your email for less than $200,000 or whatever. Yeah. And you know, I get it. Uh, if you are, it wasn't EDC, but if you're EDC, you know, I would assume that they have, uh, lots and lots of people who want to throw lots and lots of money at them. So, you know, I don't fault them for looking at it that way, but you know, it's also on us to communicate to the people we want to work with why it would be a good look to be associated with a small company like ours, like creative live or like URM that I work for now, you know, uh, for example, with creative live, you know, it was an educational company and that's pretty cool, you know? Uh, so for a magazine like AP, um, I think it, uh, again, like they want to be able to speak to people outside of just the, you know, record label world, right? They don't want to just have their advertiser base limited to, um, labels. So if they have a small educational company like ours, then they can go to, you know, full sale and whoever, you know, art Institute, whatever, and say, look, you know, these smaller companies are here. Don't you want to be here too? And then they can charge those guys more than they charge us. And so there's value for them too. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I remember when I, when, uh, you know, I started to look at from the planning side of things when, you know, I was running sound and fury and like looking about people, I mean, obviously on a much smaller scale than anything that, you know, alternative press did or anything, but it was like, you know, you had people coming at us being like, Hey, you know, could, could we sponsor a stage? Could we do this? And it was always, um, you know, a hardcore festival. You, you know, clearly aren't, you know, looking at it from the perspective of dollars in your eyes or anything, but it's like, Oh yeah. Tens of dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Like at, at, at least like $300, you know, it's like, yeah, but like the partners that, you know, we did align ourselves with, whether it was like, you know, working with, you know, no sleep records or working with, you know, a screen printing company or whatever. A lot of it was also also strategic where it's like, oh, we can work with this company because they have a uh, method in actually, uh, you know, getting product to consumers, whether it's like, oh, yeah, they can buy tickets through their portal because I'm not going to sit here and set up my own, you know, uh, you know, sound and fury ticketing system or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you always have to look at it from, you know, the value that can be created where it's like, okay, we're not going to charge, you know, this company an arm and a leg to have a presence here, but if they're bringing a service to it, it's like, oh wow, that's even cooler. Like, you know, that saves, you know, the headache on my end or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, we did lots and lots of other partnerships that did not work out well, not for anybody's fault. It's just, I think with partnerships, there's really no way to know if it's going to move the needle other than do it. Um, some of the ones that I thought would be little ended up being big and vice versa. So an example of one that was another one that was big, um, you know, by creative live standards, um, was uh, fractal audio who, if any of you guys are, you know, guitar gear nerds that are listening, then you'll know them. They make the ax effects. We did two classes with them, uh, that were taught by a guy named Cooper Carter that does like artist relations for them. So if, you know, um, dream theater or Taylor Swift's guitarist or whatever, uh, want some help setting up their rig for their next tour, then he'll fly out and help them set it up. So he, he's a product specialist. He taught these things. They pushed it in their forum and stuff. They have a really active user base. I wasn't expecting it to do much, but it, it did. They ended up, um, their audience just ate that up. We sold a ton of those classes. They were great to work with. Uh, on the other hand, and I don't want to name their names, just um, they didn't do anything wrong, but I worked with some much larger companies in audio, uh, and we spent a lot of money on it. Um, and it did nothing. And I don't know why, you know, who knows why I think there's oftentimes, uh, my experience, I'd be curious to hear what you think my experience with partners and with influencers is it's usually not the biggest ones that move the needle. It's the ones that are like kind of 
on the smaller to medium size, but with high engagement, those are the ones that usually move the needle. So this, these two other companies that worked with were huge names in audio, but because they're so big, they have a lot of people in their audience who are just kind of lukewarm. And I think just didn't give a shit. Um, so that was the sweet spot we found was like small to medium size, but high engagement. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. It definitely is one of those things where yes, it is important to have, uh, you know, certain looks from a, a large perspective, you know, whether it's, you know, reach or like you said, prestige, all that sort of stuff. Like, yes, it's cool to have those opportunities, but you know, as long as you're not, uh, you know, completely neglecting them for, like you said, those smaller to, you know, mid tier opportunities. Um, but yeah, you, there are so many instances you know, that I can think of in which, um, you know, these, these people who, you know, I ended up working with either, you know, from a company or like a, you know, a band or, you know, social media influencer, whoever that it's like, well, like, you know, they don't have a quote unquote household name, but, the people that interact with their, their content or their music or whatever, it, they're, they're devoted to it, you know? And that's right. Like, like some, some yeah. someone like band, like Dillinger escape plan or AFI to me would be perfect examples of that is they're not the biggest bands in the world. They're, they're certainly respectably sized. They're not the biggest bands in the world, but they're very respected and their fans just fucking love them. Yeah. So if you, you know, whereas, uh, imagine dragons is gigantic, but I bet you that they probably wouldn't really do anything for most partnerships. I bet you just would kind of fizzle. Yeah. So, well, it's like the, you know, the, the joke that constantly goes around the internet where it's like, Hey, can you tell me what the chain smokers look like? And it's like, uh, no, yeah, they're just, they're two white guys. That's all I know. Like there's no, is it two? I don't even know how many of them there are. <laughs> I, I think it's two because I was recently in Las Vegas and I saw their poster and I was like, Oh, that's what they look like. But like, you know, it's like, you know, interchangeable or whatever, but yeah, you're, yeah. You're, your point is is very correct where you can have the you know widest reach uh, and it, it can you know just kind of fall on on deaf ears because like you said people you know aren't uh, aren't engaged on a deep level they're just like oh yeah they exist it's like that's fine you know there's no they're not inspired you know that person or band or whatever is not inspiring a reaction uh, to have that you know feverish passion for it Right. So if you, you know, if you are listening to this and you are thinking about like event sponsorships, um, keep that in mind. I have a very, very hard time believing that these companies that spend six or seven figures to just throw their logo on the top of the biggest stage, I have a really hard time thinking that that's worth their money. You know, if you gave me, I don't know, 350 grand or something like that, and I could either spend it on putting my logo on the top of a stage or paying a team of five people for a year to make YouTube content, I know which one I would choose. <laughs> totally. And, and you also have to look at it too, where the, you know, the burst of something that, uh, like a appearance at a festival that is very limited in scope. You're talking about people seeing it at that thing. But then, yeah, if you're, like you said, you're hiring five people to work on content over the course of the year, you're going to get a lot more out of that just because it, it lasts longer, you know? Yeah. And that's, this is good news for us is like marketing. I mean, it's money doesn't really, I mean, it's, it's nice, but money doesn't guarantee success. Like it's not magic. Throwing money at something will not make people care or like, or buy a product. It just, it doesn't work that way, which is good news for us because that means that, uh, we can beat the bigger guys, um, by being smarter and scrappier and more thoughtful and passionate about what we do. Whereas they're just like, they don't give a fuck about their jobs or what they're doing. You know, they're just showing up, they've got a budget to spend and they checked all the boxes and they can show the boss that they spent all their money and then they go home and, you know, do whatever. Um, so, you know, it's good news for us. And I think a lesson for everyone else is like, don't worry about it. If other people have bigger marketing budgets than you, it doesn't matter. If you have more passion and better ideas, you will win. Yeah, absolutely. In the long run, that that is something that you can just focus on. Where it's like, yeah, like you said, it doesn't matter the size of your war chest. It just matters. It's like if you have a thousand dollars that you've d- dedicated to spend on something, you will know, in, you know, almost instinctually because you care about it so much, where to kind of spend that to get the most right. rewards. And that, like, know. think about all the bands, all the labels that have like tried to make a band you know, 
pop off that just people were not interested in. And you'd see them pushing this band for like months and months and months and spending all this money on ads and you know, this, that, and the other. And it's just like, dude, it's not going to happen. Nobody likes this band. You can spend all the money you want. It's just not going to happen. Right. <laughs> dude, I can't tell, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the main indicator uh, when I worked at a independent record store was the, you know, the amount of promo copies that we would receive, you know, for like in-store play, you know, for us to like play a record, you know, while people are moving right. about if we received like, you know, whatever f- five to 10 copies of a specific record, it was usually like you said, you know, Oh wow. A lot of money's being invested in this, but like it's, it's going to be an absolute failure. Like yeah, that's <laughs> not a good sign. No. Cause all they're doing is just being like, you know, we're one record store of, you know, thousands at the time, you know, cause right. this is whatever late nineties when record stores were still, you know, extremely powerful. And, uh, yeah, that, that is a total indicator. Cause yeah, you're just spending bad money over bad money being like, this thing's going to break. We're going to force right. it down your throat. Do you think sending us 14 copies of this promo instead of three is like, somehow gonna make people like it totally it's like oh wow i really i i misplaced uh you know this this theory of a dead man promo so oh thank god (laughs) i got i got it for you know i got it next week in the mail so i'm gonna play it now (laughs) yeah and so bad you know and it's it's frustrating also because you might really love what you're working on you might really believe it and people are just not into it but that's uh you know that's just the way it works so you know i've just seen it play out so many times that people tried to throw money i mean you know when i worked at abercrombie we would do this all the time we would spend you know 50 or 80 grand on the stupidest shit and everyone that worked there was just like why are we doing this this is so dumb nobody is going to care and they didn't care but it's just the way that big companies work is they're just built to throw money at stuff instead of have good ideas. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't get it, but you know, again, it's good for us because we can win. Yes. Exactly. Especially now with social media, you know, like the best ideas and the most passionate team is going to win. That's the way it works. Yep. Totally. That's That's going to bubble up to the top. Well, Finn, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of your, uh, you know, insight and wisdoms and information. Cause yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, like I said, most of this stuff is like a total black box to people and they don't understand, like they, they understand there's a transactional relationship, but they don't understand like the details behind it. So I think this was really informative. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you very much, Finn. You are always welcome on the show, and I appreciate the uh, the knowledge that he drops on you. And uh, if you are not following his YouTube channel, Punk Rock MBA, you need to. He does really, really uh, interesting. They're not even hot takes. I was going to call them that, but they're not even that. So it's just like you know, why is the band Fallout Boy big? And like, just really sort of, uh, I wouldn't even call them existential questions, but just like big questions that uh, you know some people maybe don't think about like proactively. But Finn is uh, really intelligent, and he's always looked at music and scenes and all that stuff in a very holistic way. And his YouTube channel reflects that. It's really really cool. So thank you very much, Finn. Follow his uh, YouTube channel and uh, you can follow him on Instagram and stuff as well. So the Punk Rock NBA, please do that. And uh, like I said, next week is a mailbag episode and uh, I, I've got like five or six questions that are really meaty and I'll be able to uh, get pretty granular on those. So it'll be interesting. It'll be uh, just me talking with you for a while. <laughs> but anyways, like I always tell you, and I really truly, truly do mean it, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.